Chris Sterenberg um, going to preach and minister to us. So come on, give Chris a big hand. Um, it's exciting. Chris has been a great source of strength and uh, a pillar in the church. And it's wonderful uh, to have Chris come and preach the word. So Chris, if you don't mind, um, I want to pray for you. Reach out, re- put your hands towards Chris. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. As we start the series on prayer, and as Chris launches the series on prayer, and more importantly on prayer and spiritual warfare, I pray God that you'd use him and speak through him. Speak your word, your eternal word, the powerful word of God will be spoken with clarity and conviction and boldness. And it's going to bring forth the fruit that you have sent it for, Father God. So we ask your anoint Chris this morning and we are ready, we are willing, and we are open to hear your word. Align our hearts to your purposes, God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Peter. Amen. Good morning, everybody. All right, let's uh, follow James's example and start with a little story. Now, one day there was these scientists, and uh, they didn't really, really believe that God was the only creator. So they had a competition, and they said, let's have scientists come together and have a competition with God, and we are going to create life. So they got together, put their uh, particle accelerators to work, and invited God to have a look at it. And after a long time, finally, finally, they managed to create this little microbe that was alive. And he said, see, God, what are you going to say now? You know what God said? Next time, create your own dust. (laughs) So the book of Genesis gives us the introduction of life on earth, the creation story. Creation of Adam and Eve. The interesting thing is subsequent to their creation, God looked at it and he said it was good. And then he did a very specific thing. He gave authority to Adam and Eve. He gave them the dominion over the whole earth. So if you can put up that scripture, please. Uh, in Genesis 1, 28 and 29 and onwards, it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So we see here, dominion was given by God to human beings. And then it says what they are allowed to eat. So he delegates the authority to Adam and Eve. The interesting thing is, as you read scripture, that given authority was never revoked. It always stayed there. Unfortunately, there was something that happened. Things went well for a while. And then there was a visitor from outer space. No, not Star Wars, not Star Trek or whatever space odyssey you're into. It was a visitor from another dimension. You see, before God created Adam and Eve and the world as we know it, he had already created another set of beings that were different to humans. And the Bible refers to them as angels. And uh, there's no time to go into detail there. One of the highest one of these the chief angel almost, had the name sometimes called Lucifer, sometimes the morning star, sometimes Satan, sometimes the devil. He was the most important angel. Unfortunately, he came to think of himself as more important than God. We can go to Ezekiel, please. That scripture I have, yeah. 
So in Ezekiel 28, it says, you were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. So here we see he was the guardian cherub. He was the most important angel. You were on the holy mount. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in all your ways. This is some created being. From the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. And then we pick the story up in Isaiah 14, verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid down the nations. You set your throne. And I said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And stars of God, by the way, is a term for angels, often used. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the tops. But, and this is God speaking, you are brought down to the grave in the depths of the pit. This little side thing here. The pit, hell, was never created for human beings. When Lucifer was cast out from heaven, a number of angels fell with him and they were cast out. And in the Bible, they were often referred to as demons. For example, in Revelations 12, 9, and I think that scripture will come up, the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So here was Satan and his angels being cursed down to earth. And ever since Satan was cast down to earth, he has only ever had one goal. And Jesus spoke about that in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 44. He said to the religious leaders of his day, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He, this is the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth, for there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a father of lies. So here we have God, our heavenly father, our creator, created Adam and Eve, and it was beautiful, and it was God. And then we get Satan, who is out to destroy, to rob, to kill. So Satan comes along, he tempts Eve. So I'm giving a bit of biblical background until I get to my application, so hang in there with me. They both give in to that temptation. And by doing so, they now surrender that authority that God gave them in creation to Satan. Because they're controlled by Satan, and therefore their authority is controlled by Satan. They become slaves to sin and to the devil, and uh, become under the control of Satan. Now, that control has, of Satan in the world has not changed we only have to open up our papers. We only have to kind of listen to the news. We all wars, terrorists, natural disasters, apartheid, racism, rape, abortion, suicide, addictions. It goes on and on and on. All clear examples of how the devil is in control. However, there's good news. Dominion was regained us and ain't there. Jesus, when he came, he was fully human, and it was important that he was. But he was tempted, just like every human being, by Satan. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, for we do not 
have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we were, yet without sin. And understand Jesus' temptation happened right through his life. The garden gets so many. Father, Father, if it possible, let this cup be taken from me. Or we can think of the cross, how the enemy was attacking him even on the cross. Matthew 27, it talks about in the same way the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said. He can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we all believe in him. So you see here the forces of darkness through people kind of attacking Jesus right to the point of his death, trying to get him to come off that cross. And Jesus could have done that. He had the power to do it, but he chose not to. He did not give in to the temptation. So the dominion that was lost through Adam is now regained through the second Adam, Jesus Christ. In Romans 5, verse 17, it says, For by the trespasses of one man, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Death came through Adam. Life and redemption and regaining came through the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Through his sinless life, not giving in temptation, through his death and resurrection, he has regained to all who accept him as Lord and Savior. Galatians 2, 15. You can get that on that place. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over the cross. Hallelujah! He disarmed the powers of darkness. He triumphed over them. And he's handed that authority now to us. And now the rubber starts hitting the road. Getting to applications, which were more relevant maybe to you and I, but I think it was important to understand some of that background so you know where the battle is from and where it originated from. So having conquered forces of darkness, as we just read, Jesus then handed the authority over to his followers. Matthew 28, 18, a famous scriptures for most of those who have been around. Jesus, after his resurrection, came to his disciples and he said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Now go. How can we go? Because he's given us back that delegated authority. And what does he say? I am with you always to the very end of the age. We haven't reached the end of the age yet. He's still with us. His authority is still with us. His power is still available for us. He's conquered forces of darkness. And Paul, obviously, was very aware of this battle. Ephesians 6, and a scripture most of us are familiar with, if we can get that on screen, because it's a key scripture for us to understand. Where Paul writes, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, because we've got that battle, 
Put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you, who? You, me, may be able to stand your ground after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness from the gospel of peace. In addition to the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and we'll come back to some of that, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep always praying for the saints. The Apostle Paul, and some other scriptures, Paul talks about the warfare as well. And there were only one man that knew about that warfare besides Jesus Christ is The Apostle Paul, when you see what he went through, it's amazing, but always there, trusting God. So whether you like it, whether I like it, we're in a warfare. Sorry, guys, reality. We have an enemy, and he's only got one goal. Destroy you, destroy me. Destroy your family, destroy my family. Destroy your church, destroy my church. Destroy your nation, destroy my nation. He's got his only goal. He does it through lying, through sickness, through all kinds of things. So let's now bring it to some practical applications. How do we, how do you and I fight in this warfare? First thing, and we've already talked about it, we need to recognize we're in a warfare. You know, if you don't recognize it, are you going to be fighting? Oh, oh, poor me. Poor, poor me. Oh, you just sit down and do nothing. You need to recognize we're in warfare. And with that, we need to recognize that the warfare is not of human beings. We don't fight people. We fight forces of darkness. We resist ourselves to God. and we, then we submit ourselves to God and we resist the devil who will flee from us, the Bible says. I remember some years back, some friends of ours told us a story about how they'd bought this house. and They'd shifted into the house. And they were starting to fight, and they were having arguments and all kind of stuff. And, that. and it took them a little bit of time, and they stood back and said, hey, listen, what's happening here? This is not us. So they did some spiritual warfare, won the factory. Then they did some research, and it was really, really interesting. And what they found, that every couple who had owned that house, their marriage had broken up and they divorced. See, what were these people doing? They were fighting People, they didn't recognize it was spiritual, and so they didn't fight the spiritual warfare and got the victory. This couple did see it as a spiritual warfare. They fought it, and they won the battle, and they're still together, happily married. So we need to recognize we're in a battle, and we need to recognize we're not fighting people. So how some other things that we need to do in our warfare. We need to follow the example of Jesus. Most of you will remember the story how Jesus went and he fasted. He spent 40 days fasting. And then the enemy took him to the temple to tempt him. And what did Jesus do to defeat the enemy? He used the word of God. We need to learn how to use the word of God. Now, if you don't read your Bible, how can you expect to know what the word of God says? So to be able to use the Word of God, you need to, you must read your Bible on a very regular basis. 
Jen and I have a pattern. We subscribe to a devotional system and we go through the whole Bible in a year and it goes through the whole Bible the next year and the whole Bible again the next year. When I first became a Christian, I read through the Bible three times a year. Context determines meaning. You need to know the whole scripture. You Satan knows the scripture as well. He can quote scripture to you, but he will twist it to suit his needs. So for you and I, To be able to fight effectively, we need to know the context of the Bible. We need to know the whole story. Uh, Some years back, I was in a training session, and they told us a really interesting story. They told us the story about how they trained, this was in the States, people to recognize counterfeit money bills. And they said they'd take them through an extensive process. So they start with the artists, the creators of how they put the pictures together on the, on the bill, how they put the numbers in, how they put the little symbols in, the secret little hidden symbols that you and I don't know about. So they sit with these designers and they go through that whole detailed process of how they design the bill. Then the next step is they go to the pre-press. What do they do before they even get printing? What paper do they select? What ink do they select? What curing agency do they select? They feel it, they smell it. And they go through the printing process, every step of the printing, how they print them, every step. Then they go to the die cutting, how it's cut into the little bills. So this is an extensive process. When they finish that training process, they get put in a room and given a stack of bills. And said, tell me which ones are the counterfeit ones. And they look through them and they find them. Why? Because they know what the real stuff looks like. They've never been trained on counterfeit bills. They didn't need to. All they needed to know what was the real stuff. Same for you and I with the word of God. The enemy will come with counterfeit word of God. We know to know what the real stuff looks like. So we need to recognize there the word of God and apply it. We need to speak it out. Jesus spoke out the word of God. Don't... mm, Now, it's good to have it in your mind, but speak it out. Satan, this is what you say, but this is actually what the Word of God says. And speak it out loud. The next step, or the next point that I like to bring up, is recognizing the power of the blood. In Revelation 12, 11 says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So we need to learn to claim the blood of Christ. What does that mean? Have a little bit of blood dripping from our foreheads or whatever? No, it's a spiritual blood. And when we're in an enemy's attack, I claim the blood of Jesus Christ. You have no right trespass. The key story in that is probably found in the Exodus and the Passover, And hopefully most of you will remember this story when the Passover lamb was killed, which, of course, is an example of Jesus Christ. And then they applied the blood to the lintel and the doorpost, example of the cross. And then the slaying angel, the destroying angel, had no right to come into that household. In the same way, in a spiritual sense, you and I need to learn to apply the blood of Jesus Christ to our lives, to our children, to our partners, to our church, to our governmental agencies, to our employers, to uh, the education systems, 
say, Satan, you have no right in this place. I apply the blood of Jesus Christ. And again, we need to speak it out because that scripture says, and the word of their testimony wasn't just a thinking about it. They spoke it out. I claim and apply the blood of Jesus Christ. So we resist the devil. We speak the word of God. We apply the blood. Now, one thing is important that we keep our mind focused on what we need to be focused on. Sometimes there's danger when we're in spiritual warfare that we become so preoccupied with the enemy that we almost give him a lot more time than he's worth. Satan, all we're concentrating on is the enemy. Now, we need to stand against him. We need to recognize that. But we need to also recognize that, actually, it's God whom we serve. It's God whom we worship. And so the an important step, an important tool, an important weapon in our warfare is worship. Um, we sang the song, I raise a hallelujah. And those lines there, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than my unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. Worship is an incredibly powerful tool in spiritual warfare. I know my wife and I, when we feel heaviness in our house, when we feel, hey, we're in a battle, we often put worship music on because it makes a difference. And in Scripture, of course, there's plenty of examples that lead us to understand that. In the Old Testament, you know, the, the choir was sent out before the army. Or the story of the Battle of Jericho. And they walked around and walked around. What did they do in the last day? They shouted to God, they worshipped God, and the walls came down. When you look in the New Testament, we see the story of Paul and Silas. They've been captured and put in jail. And things look tough, yeah? Not a great place to be, chains on your arms and your feet. What did they do? Feel sorry for themselves? No. They started to sing and worship. And what happened? God brought the breakthrough. So worship is an important part of warfare. And that's why worship in our church is so important. That's why we spent extended time worshiping. It's not just to fill in time. It's not just to make you feel happy. It is significantly spiritual. Weapons of a warfare are not carnal. Worship is a weapon. It's not carnal. It does affect the spiritual realm. A further weapon... Is speaking in tongues. We just read from uh, the Ephesians ch- chapter there. And it talks there that in all, at all times, praying in the Spirit. So that's Ephesians 6 that we read earlier on. Praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues is a weapon. You and I might not understand what's happening. But because the Spirit prays in and through us, He knows what's happening in the heavenly realm, and He will help us pray the right kind of prayers. goes beyond our understanding. The reality is the heavenly realm is beyond our understanding. Let's be, let, let's be honest about it. We don't know what's happening there. And there's a whole other aspect of spiritual warfare I haven't even touched on uh, that Daniel, for example, talks about. But praying in the Spirit is involving ourselves in, in spiritual warfare. Praying in tongues, something happens in the spiritual realm. So use it. When you're feeling 
like heaviness. Start praying in tongues. Some years back, I had a friend, and she spent an hour every day speaking in tongues. An hour every day. And he said, I couldn't survive without it. So attacks may come through other people. They may come through systems, governmental systems. Apartheid was a system that's demonic. Slavery was a system that was demonic. So systems can attack people. However, for most of it, it comes down to you and I on a very personal level, our minds and our bodies. Sickness can be a demonic attack. When we look at the life of Jesus, sometimes he laid hands on them and healed them. Sometimes he sent a word and healed them. But other times he rebuked the spirit. You deaf and dumb spirit, come out. Demoniac, come out. So sickness can also be an attack of the enemy on our physical bodies. So in my understanding, there can be three causes of sickness. One of them is the sin in your life. And so we always, when we're sick, need to evaluate. Have I done something? Have I thought something that I need to deal with in confessing, cleansing? can be just a pure natural cause. Poisoning, you know, we put all this rubbish in the air right now. We breathe it in and affect us. Genetics, viruses, bacteria, all those kind of things can affect us physically and cause sickness. And then thirdly, it can be because of a direct attack of the enemy. So we need discernment. But my suggestion is that you just make sure you cover all the bases. Rebuke the enemy, claim the blood, kind of uh, ask for prayer for healing, and maybe go to the doctor as well. Just cover all the bases. The most significant area of attack that I personally experience, however, is in my mind. This is where the battle happens for most of us. And Paul writes about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So the brain, the mind, our thinking is where the battle happens for most of us most of the time. At least for me. So how do we deal with those thoughts? How do we deal with things that cause us hopelessness? Oh, Nothing is going to change. Depression. The world is so black. Failure. I blew it again. Those thoughts of being unworthy. God couldn't love me. I've done too many things wrong. Of being totally unlovable by anybody. Being forgotten. Nobody knows about me. Here I'm sitting in my little corner. And you can go on and on and on about negative thoughts. My argument would be that every negative thought that we battle with is from the enemy. Satan is a deceiver. He comes to rob, steal, and destroy. God came to do what? He came to give life. So is God going to make you feel, oh, you 
you naughty boy. That's not God. God says to us, if you have sinned, deal with it. I want to forgive you. I love you. I want the best for your life. He doesn't let us get away with sin, but he deals with a conviction, not condemnation. But all the other stuff, the depression, all that kind of stuff is not from God. So how do we deal with it? That's what the battle is constantly. We do what I said earlier on. We speak the word of God. When we feel unloved, we said, I'm beloved. When we feel unworthy, God has chosen me in Jesus Christ. I was so worthy that he sent Jesus for me. Wow, the son of God died for me. What words must I have for God? So we speak the word of God when the lies of the enemy comes. We claim the blood. Satan, you have no right to my mind. The blood of Christ has cleansed me. I'm rebuking you from my mind. We worship God. We speak in tongues. And as Peter said, we're thankful. You know, so often we start to get into this little spinner and the world gets worse and worse and worse. The Bible says in Colossians 3.16 that the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed or in thinking, I would add here my own words, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We need to learn to have an attitude of gratitude. We need to be thankful. We're not thankful for things that happen to us. Please understand me. I'm not saying that if you're suffering with cancer, you need to be thankful for that. What you need to be thankful for is that there is a God who's there with you in the midst of it. Don't concentrate on the sickness. Concentrate on the God who's there with you. Be thankful. And boy, is that a battle at times. I don't know about you, but at times, mm, he's good. She did this, she just said that to me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And that'll calm your spirit down and concentrate yourself on God. We are in a spiritual battle. Now, we think those things are natural, but they're not. They're spiritual. They're part of the spiritual battle. Put on the full armor of God. All those things, the word of God, the spirit, the shield of faith, all those things, the words and the prayers, we need to use them on a daily, daily basis. We need to recognize that our battle is not against your husband or wife, your partner, your children, your grandchildren, your parents, your pastor. It's not against human beings. We think it is, and we get uptight. But we need to allow ourselves to step back. Yeah, they'll disappoint us, and yet they do stuff that hurt us. And it's okay to acknowledge that. But don't start fighting them. I love the words of Martin Luther King where he said, Darkness does not overcome darkness. Hate does not overcome hate. Light overcomes darkness. Love overcomes hate. So when your partner says nasty things to you, you don't overcome that by saying nasty things back to them. Hate does not overcome hate. Remember, you're in a spiritual battle. The enemy would like you to think, I've got a right to defend myself here. God says, no, forgive as you have been forgiven. Love them as you have been loved. 
It's a spiritual battle we're in, folks. Recognize it. Recognize it's not against human beings. Just want to give one little caution here, uh, talking in the context of spiritual battle and the enemy, that we are also careful to recognize that the enemy is not to be ignored and to kind of belittled, maybe is the word I use, to kind of think, oh, he's nobody. He's real. He's got incredible powers. Uh, you know, won't go into that because I don't want to glorify him. And then this interesting verse in Jude, in verse 8, and it says there, in the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Okay? Don't want to create fear, don't want to, but you need to be aware. It's, it's, it's not child's play that you're involved in. It's real. It's a real battle. It's a life and death salvation battle. The other thing to understand when you look at uh, the battle we're involved in, that often the people that may be used by the enemy to attack us are totally unaware of that. And there might be Christians, folks. I loved, well, my love is the wrong word. I find it interesting, the time where uh, Jesus was traveling with his disciples and Peter said, oh, no, Jesus, that's not going to happen. And Jesus turned around and said, get behind me, Satan. Now, Jesus recognized his battle wasn't with Peter. It was the enemy that was using one of his close disciples to try to accomplish his ways. So uh, just kind of uh, be aware that sometimes people are not aware that they are being used. Okay, now we talked about that the battle is ours. To, has already been won for us. It's our responsibility to be involved in it. But this morning, that only applies if you're a Christian. If you have not surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, sorry, folks, you're still in the battle and you have nothing to stand on. Don't want to create fear again? I say this because God loves you. So this morning, if you're here and you have not accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, I encourage you. I'm going to be singing a song shortly. Come forward. One of the leaders will come with you and pray with you and lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ because only in him that the delegate authority to win the battle comes. So come. The other thing, maybe this morning, you feel like you're under attack. You feel like you haven't quite won the battle and you just want somebody to stand with you. The Bible says one puts a thousand to flight, two put two thousand to flight. It's a Hebraic saying, but it means there's power in combined prayers. So if you want somebody to stand with you in prayer to rebuke the forces of darkness, you might have addiction problems, you might have depression problems, let's pray together. And then as you go from this place, remember those points. We need to resist the devil by speaking the word of God, claiming the blood of Christ. We need to pray in tongues. We need to worship. And after all that, we need to know how to stand firm. As we sing this song, I raise a hallelujah. I think it's a very powerful song. 
because it reminds us us of the victory that is won in Jesus Christ. And if you want prayer, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I encourage you. Just come forward during this song. Some people will come and pray with you. Thank you, Lisa.